Hello everybody and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast with Michael and Jay, with Jason and Mike, and Timmy's not here. Oh, what is it? Um, something in the morning. Oh, uh, <laughs> from Community. Yeah, why are we blanking on this? Try another in the morning. There it is. It's Jason and Michael in the morning. That third season of Community that just went absolutely haywire and was awful. One of the worst ever. Yeah. All right, before we start, we just need to acknowledge something. If you listen to part two, as Tim said, he's not going to be on this podcast. Life came up. It happens. Um, If you're also wondering why we talk about the Sunday night game at the end of the first podcast, that's because Tim is in love with Justin Jefferson right now and wanted to talk about him. So we did that game in the first half so Tim could talk about it. So if you were wondering why that happened, that is why that happened. But now we have the last eight games coming up. You ready, bro? I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Before we get to the first eight games, we're going to talk about Party Bell. It's the official championship belt of Brodo Fantasy Football. Seriously, man, yo, it's all over the website. We have banners for it. Just click on the link there. Um... Put in the code BRODO. You'll get a super cool belt. You can hold your beers with it. You can customize it for $30. Like, I don't... I don't even feel like we need to, like, convince people to buy this thing. It's just super cool. It is very cool. Great quality. We literally quality. came across it and pressed purchase right away. Bought four of them for and our... We're leash. shocked by the quality of it for 35 bucks. Holds the beers greatly. Just do it. It's awesome. Yeah, so partybelts.com. Get that. For your championship, the official part, championship belt of Brodo Fantasy Football. The first game on the docket today is the Colts set the Browns. Packers Brown. Packers Brown. Colts at Browns. Here we go. Colts at Browns. All right, so here we go. First thing to note, the Colts apparently have the best defense ever. Their defense has been, in one word, superb. Has been a huge surprise. So we'll start with that defense, meaning we're going to start with the Browns offense. Because there's also a lot... Going on there, Mr. Nicholas Cage Chubb is out for at least six weeks. Yes, he is. Right? With a MCL sprain? Something of that, that right sort. As well? So, Kareem Hunt seemingly has the backfield to himself. Um, the Colts defense, as I said, has been very good. What do you expect, my brother? The Colts defense has been great. Uh, no denying that. It's I, This is not a defense I expected to be... This good, but they're the only team to allow one running back has reached top 24 status against them this year. The only team to allow one or less. So they've been very good against the run as well. And I mean, they've played decent running attacks. They've played against uh, Jacksonville and James Robinson, who's looked great. Dalvin Cook, the Jets blow, but then David Montgomery and the Bears, like three of those four you expect to be top 24 plays, especially Dalvin Cook. Kareem Hunt, though. It doesn't matter what their stats are. Kareem Hunt is a different animal along with that offensive line. It's just been the recipe for success for Cleveland. And I thought it does affect me a little bit because I thought 100% Kareem Hunt would be in my top five running backs. I have him at RB6. So I don't think he has that ceiling ceiling. But, I mean, oh, man, you have to be ecstatic 
if you roster Kareem Hunt to just have him the way this the way this is going to go without Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt's going to be a monster. 100%. And look, he didn't play as much as you'd think he would when Chubb went first, first went down. Potentially, it's due to the groin injury that he's dealing with. Um, we should note that. They were also up by a lot. They were also up by a lot. He kind of just took Nick Chubb's role. Like, at the end of the game, Dontrell Hilliard saw five of the last six third downs um, for the Browns. Hunt was the first and second down guy. But there's no denying how good Kareem Hunt is. Third in PFF's elusive rating this year. He was third last season. And then, dude, according to next-gen stats, Kareem Hunt leads the league in yards over expected. So, like, when you're expected to go down, but you get extra yards. 60% of his runs, according to next-gen stats. Damn. He's got more yards than expected. That's a lot of Ridiculous. runs. Dearness Johnson. Any interest? I feel like he's a hot wave wire I'm at this I'm not week. even convinced he has a roll over Hilliard, man. I just feel like against Indy, now is not the time to start Dearness Johnson. Like, I get it. He's the hot wave wire ad. He went in 13 rushes, 95 yards against Dallas. But Indy and Pitt the next couple of weeks, maybe against Cincy, Las Vegas, Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Baltimore. That stretch after that, maybe he has some sort of a factor. But like you said, Dontrell Hilliard was the third down guy at the end of the game. I, I don't like Dearness Johnson this week to really... Like, look, Kareem Hunt's not going to be a workhorse either, in my opinion. I think they're going to mix in other running backs because they want to keep Hunt fresh and healthy. So, Dearness Johnson will likely see 8 to 10 touches, but I think he's just like a low-end flex at best this week. I agree 100%. Um, Moving on to the... Talk about trap. If you're moving on to the wide receivers. Right? I agree. Odell Beckham Jr. is a trap this week. There is... A 0% chance that Odell Beckham Jr. matches what happened last week, obviously. The thing is, he's still being ranked as a top 15 receiver. He's actually wide receiver 16 in expert consensus rankings right now. Come on, yo. Like, we've watched the Browns. We see that they're a run-first team. 10 targets, 6 targets, 6 targets, 8 targets for OBJ. Solid, but I mean... We're really going to rank him at wide receiver 16 against Indy, who has had the best defense in the league. The two times he's finished as a top 36 receiver was against Cincinnati and Dallas. Like, look, I have OBJ as an upside wide receiver three. The upside's always there. He could make me eat my words, and he could score a touchdown, have like an 80-yard touchdown or something of that sort. He has that talent and ability. But the Indy defense has just been locked down the entire year so far. And just, I don't see why OBJ is being ranked so high. I agree, man. I mean, he's had two games outside of the top 36 this season. He's basically a deep ball threat at this point, and we can't expect him to house a 50-yard rush. Last week were his first two rushes of the season, so it's not even like rushes are a thing that OBJ does. Yeah, he doesn't get rushes. So I agree. And then Jarvis Landry, I don't want any part of. Austin Hooper either. Like, yeah, these guys Jarvis. are just not getting enough work. Baker Mayfield is 20th in true throw value, so you need to see a decent amount of work in order to get value from that. And Austin Hooper, Tim mentioned in the last podcast that he's starting to come around on Hooper a little bit. But Hooper's still only the 22nd tight end in true target value, and Jarvis Landry's just a waste at this point. Dude, Landry's 
ranked 33rd right now. Like, get with the times, people. Jeez Louise. Ivan's my 50th, 52nd wide receiver at the moment. Subject to change, of course. Always keep an eye out on the rankings. But someone I have no interest in at all from the jump right now. Same with Austin Hooper. I'm not, I'm, I'd like to see the seven targets from last week, but again, it was against Dallas. So, and you're not starting Baker, right? And I'm not starting Baker, no. Moving on over to the Indianapolis Colts. All right, so let's just get straight to it because you're not going to start Phillip Rivers unless no. it's a two quarterback league. Correct. Jonathan Taylor, because I'm the Taylor. To be frank, has been underwhelming. Very. He has not been the Jonathan Taylor we were all promised by. Every single Dynasty Twitter account who said he's the next coming of every great running back ever. Uh, He just hasn't been that good to start. And the snap count is a bit concerning because he played 40% of snaps week three and then 45% of snaps week four. Two targets, one target, one target after seeing six targets week one. Naeem Hines saw 35% of targets last week. Wilkins saw 17%. This is back-to-back weeks where Hines... And Wilkins played more snaps combined than Jonathan Taylor did. This is also now one week on the season. Jonathan Taylor's ended as higher than the running back 22. Exactly. Like, he's just, he's been underwhelming. So, look, his initial, again, I'm going to shit on the expert consensus ranking. It was far too high. He started at, like, wide receiver running back six or something, right? His expert consensus consensus ranking right now is running back eight. I have met running back 15. And even that, if there were better matchups, he'd likely be lower. But there aren't the best running back matchups this week. It's an upside play here against Cleveland. He has uh, had some de- difficult matchups. And Cleveland has been decent on the ground, too. So it's not like it's a great game. But, I mean, you have to fire up Jonathan Taylor if you have him, likely. Yeah. But I just I don't really see the huge ceiling. I think Naheem Hines has some flex appeal. He's been consistent. and He's not the guy we saw week one. But in half PPR, it's now he has two finishes within the top 30 running backs. Last week, he had 12 touches. Um, He has three out of his four games with three or more receptions. He has a role, and with Zach Pascal as basically the number one option at the moment because T.Y. Hilton is very bad. He's playing more snaps. He's getting targeted more. He's basically the number one option. So with that being the case... Naheem Hines, I think, has some flex appeal. I don't disagree. Uh, I do think Zach, Zach Pascal is certainly preferable to T.Y. Hilton. Pascal does not get enough love, man. He doesn't. He's yeah. not on waiver wireless anywhere. He's ranked super low. I have Pascal. Dude, he's ranked 57th. I have him at 37. He had eight targets last week. He was wide receiver 48 on a 358 line. Like, that's his, that's his base at the moment. Because Ward's probably... Greg Ward's probably going to block... Denzel Ward. Who's Greg Ward? The, the wide, wide receiver. receiver. <laughs> Denzel Ward's probably going to block T.Y. Hilton. I'm higher Pascal's on seeing eight targets. Pascal, man. too. I have him as my wide receiver 42, so 15 ahead of consensus ranking. I agree. I think he's being slept on a little bit, and T.Y. Hilton is someone I want no part of at all. Please get him off your team. Yeah. Um, Michael was not surprised that... T.Y. Hilton sucked last week. That was his fade, right? Yeah, in the sleeper in bust the, article. In the, that was his bust in the sleeper bust article. Somehow he's still expert consensus ranking wide receiver 29. Like, yo, Jeez, come on. that's ugly. Yeah. What was surprising, maybe a little bit, Trey Burton came out and led the tight ends and targets. 
After that was Jack Doyle. Frustrating. Last in tight end targets was our man, Moalakax. He just happened to turn it into a touchdown, but... Jesus, he's very frustrating. At this point, I think Moali Cox is still the guy you want to roster. I want him on my team, like, just in case. If you need to drop him next week, fine. But we've seen what he can do, man. It's just three games in a row now with either a touchdown or 100-plus yards. Trey Burton, we've seen that he's not that good. And Jack Doyle is just Jack Doyle at this point. Yeah, I'm hoping that was that's not the norm at this point. Like, I think that they need to realize that Moali Cox is the superior option. If they don't... I'd be a little shocked, but hopefully hopefully they do. I'm not starting Wally Cox really this week unless I'm in a two-tight end league because you really have to wait and see because one target is certainly not going to cut it. Yeah, it's, it wasn't pretty. At least he brought in a touchdown if you were starting him. Yeah. I think that's it for that game. Moving on up. Moving on up. Yeah. Next up on our docket is the Broncos at Patriots game. All right, let's just go to the Broncos first because... The New England Patriots. I feel like me and you are going to share. Oh, I just dropped my mic. You I dropped his it. mic. I feel like me and you are going to share the same sentiment here about the Broncos. The New England Patriots are a very good, never bad defense for some reason. They're just always good. It doesn't matter who's there. Even when they lose everyone to. You know when they're especially good? Such. If Drew Locke is out, they're especially good against undrafted Boise State quarterbacks. <laughs> is that scientific? It's scientific. Dude. Brett Rippon's not going to do good against the Patriots. And even if Drew Locke comes back from injury after a few weeks off, another young quarterback, who is he going to throw to? K.J. Hamler is out. Noah Fant is out. Jerry Ju- uh, uh, Corlin Sutton is out. Right now, the weapons are Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Melgo, Lindsey might be out. This is just a disgusting offense <laughs> where if it, it's Melgo or bust for me, and, like, the thing is with Jerry Judy, like, expert consensus ranking wide receiver 32 right now, I think that's a joke because he was one ridiculous touchdown catch away that should have been an interception. Like, yes, that speaks to his talent. But if that was an incomplete pass, he ends with one catch for 10 yards on the day. Judy. And he played less snaps than Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. So like Deshaun Hamilton's never going away apparently. And New England's defense is great. I don't see any upside here with Judy really. Like I think he's a wide receiver. I think he's like a low end flex play this week. Any of the receivers. I'm not trusting Tim Patrick. Like you said, Hamler's out. I'm not trusting like Jake Butt and company. It's literally Melgo and Bust. And even Melgo, Philip Lindsay is returning to steal some work. Yeah. So Melgo is not a very strong option this week. He's been running great this year. I'll give him that. He looks like he uh he looks like a good running back, but he's a low end RB two flex play at best, and that's about it for the Broncos. It's I don't expect anything really offensively from them. The Patriots have been the seventh best team against the running back. If Lindsay comes back, Melgo's not gonna see the same volume. Um Lindsay is back, basically. He's like off the injury report now. Alright, there you go. Cause like for example, last week Melgo had twenty five touches. Weeks 1 and 2, he had 18 and 21. So there's a difference there in those touches. You're going to fire up Melgo as an RB2 slash flex play. Probably as an RB2, but I haven't ranked more as a back-end RB2. But like you said, besides that, let's let's get back to the from the first podcast, the Darnell Mooney line. The Darnell Mooney Does line. Does Jerry Judy go above or down the Darnell Mooney line? Oof. Hmm. Just because Mooney has a difficult matchup against the Bucks, 
I'm going to say above the Darnell Mooney line. Very slightly. I will not be shocked if it's not part of the Darnell... If he does not pass the Darnell Mooney line. <laughs> this has to be a thing. I like the Darnell Mooney line. Um, that's a, for the a good name for it. It is, right? Yeah. It sounds like the, the Mendoza line, the Darnell Mooney line. And now we go to the Patriots, man. Is Cam Newton going to play or... How long does COVID I Yeah, what's up for? with this? Because everyone says if you have COVID, you need to quarantine for two weeks. Unless you're a football player, apparently. But, like, I think they're... Or unless you're the president. I've read that he's out. I've read that he's questionable. I'm lost. But, look, I guess we could handle it double entendre style here. Double entendre. <laughs> genre. If you haven't genre. watched Alex Trebek say genre, please YouTube Just, it. YouTube it's amazing. It. Genre. 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 Anyways, the Patriots, Damian Harris looked... Great. 17 rushes, 100 yards. He played 30% of the snaps. 35 for Burkhead. Michelle's on IR. 53% of snaps for James White. These guys are just going to feast off each other, as always. If it's a Brian Hoyer-led or Jarrett Stidham, I called Hoyer losing his job to Stidham mid-game, by the way. If it's a Jarrett Stidham-led offense, this has been a rather stout defense in Denver. Like That's what's been keeping them in games. I'm not really super interested. I think Damon Harris is a strong flex play-ish. Not decently strong flex play. His upside is certainly limited. I don't want to trust Burkhead or... uh, I don't want to trust Burkhead here. James White is going to need a lot of receptions because that offense, if Jared Stidham's at the helm, they're unlikely to put up many points. If it's Cam Newton, I like them all a little bit better. But... If it's Cam Newton, Cam Newton's their red zone guy. That's their goal line rusher. So it's just that it's the Patriots backfield, yo. I know a lot of people spent big bucks on Damian Harris. It was against KC. Run funnel defense. Even David Johnson looked good against him this year. I'd like to see it this week against Denver, see if he could match that level of productivity. Yeah, Ian Rappaport said um, that it's a long shot that Cam Newton plays, but he's not putting it off the table. I just want to re-emphasize that what Damian Harris did was without Cam Newton. Like, Cam yeah. Newton is the lead running back for that team. When Cam Newton was healthy, Sony Michelle had 10, 7, and 9 carries. And now Harris is basically stepping into that role. So, if Cam Newton plays, I don't want anything to do with him. Even if Stidham plays, I don't really want anything to do with him. Because he has to be efficient to do anything. The Broncos are a good defense, and the Patriots are not going to be a good offense this week if Cam Newton's not around. So, I don't really want to touch the running backs. James White had a shitload of targets last week and did nothing. Yeah. He did nothing. He had seven catches for 38 yards. Jeez. Like, you got eight targets as a running back, and he finishes running back 29. Yeah. And that was against KC, a game where they weren't going to likely to lead. Against the Broncos, they're likely to lead. It's rough out there. It's rough. And then to the receivers, look, guys, Julian Edelman was one of my biggest busts prior to the season. He had one huge game, and then he was being ranked as, like, a top-12 receiver. This is who Julian Edelman is, man. In a game where they were down the whole time against Kansas City, he saw 61% of snaps. Like, this is who Julian Edelman is. He's a flex play, not super high upside, especially if Jared Stidham's at quarterback. I'm not going to trust Nikhil Harry. He's another meh flex play i'd rather look somewhere else like the ceiling is just 
not there for these guys. Demir Bird saw 10 targets. Like, if Demir Bird's going to be taking 10 targets away from Edelman and Harry, this is his second game now with eight or more targets. It's like, this is going to sound blasphemous, but all you got to do is look at what the Patriots are doing, and the Patriots believe that Julian Edelman is their third wide receiver. He only comes on the field for three wide receiver sets. They don't trust him to ever go outside. He's their slot receiver. That's it for three wide receiver sets. And it's showing in no numbers except for one game. And Julian Edelman, I mean, Rex Burkhead and James White played on the field together at a few points last week, which also doesn't bode well for Julian Edelman. Yep. So am I am I crazy to say I just want to fade this game? No, I, I'm not a big fan of anyone in this game either. Maybe their defenses. <laughs> I do like their defenses, especially the if Jared Stidham's at quarterback. Denver, too, if Stidham's at QB. Uh, or Hoyer. I assume it would be Stidham. True. But yeah. Next up on the docket is my favorite game of the week. It is the Dolphins game. The Dolphins at the favorite 49ers. Favorite game of the week? It's my favorite game of the week because I get to do my favorite segment of the week. What is that segment? The Darnell Mooney line? What is Jordan Howard's rushing line? Did it do? Did it do? Jordan Howard, after four weeks, is at 18 rushes for 14 yards and three touchdowns. And that's all for what is Jordan Howard's rushing line? Imagine someone told you prior to the season Jordan Howard would not be injured and and would play in every single game but would have only 14 rushing yards at the end of week four. I think he had one rush. No, he'd play in every single game. <laughs> it's crazy because he can't get yards. Yeah, he only just, comes in at like the one the yard line. Back. He got to carry it like the his own forty-five either last week or this week prior or the week prior to that. And I was like, "Whoa, that's wild." Uh. Anyways, I guess we could start with uh, Miami. This is the week Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back to earth. I think against San Fran because that defense has been. Look, they've played against Philly, the Jets, and the Giants, and the Cardinals. Not the biggest test, but that defense has been great all of last season. They've carried it over into these, this season as well, even with the easy matchups. And I'm not going to bet on Fitz this week, despite the fact that he's had three straight QB1 games. They've been in better matchups. I don't I don't want to touch him here. I don't hate him just because he's been a QB1 like you said last week, he's been the QB1 overall since like week 10 last year. And I doubt that last week changed anything because... Put up 24 points. He put up 24 points. Um, this is three weeks in a row he's been a top 12 quarterback. I have my quarterback 18. I might move him up as we get closer to the week. I do think I'm, he's a good QB2. I guess if you have to stream him, I don't completely hate it, but... I'm not expecting 24 points again. You just know that at some point, Fitz is going to have that game where he puts up five. Yeah. And it looked like he was going to last week until he ran it in Yeah, for a touchdown. And then things changed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to the running backs because Miles Gaskin is a dadoo. He's PPR running back 29 on the season, even though he plays basically... he He's basically a workhorse. Like, he's today's workhorse. He plays enough to be considered a workhorse. And he's doing nothing with it. And it's because... He does not have a goal line role, and he has only surpassed 10 rushes once this season, and he sees three to six targets a game. So you know what? If you want a running back that's going to finish in between, in the running back three range, running back 24 to 36, that's Miles Gaskin. That's it. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the highest ceiling, but he has a decent floor, I guess, at this point. He's not gonna. He's not flashy, but I don't. I don't hate him in the flex. I think you're a little too hard on Miles Gaskin. A little too hard on the Beaver. Devontae Parker scares me a little bit here against San Fran because it's not the best matchup. And this this guy is actually 42nd in true target. Excuse me, 46th in true target value. He's getting the targets from Fitz, but he's been dealing with injuries all year. Missed some time with a different injury during the game. Thankfully, came back. And now seems okay, but I I don't see him as a top. I've, I actually have him as a wide receiver twenty five. I was gonna say I don't have him as a top twenty four option. I think he's more of a high end wide receiver three, just because he's gonna have the uh, have the targets. No Richard Sherman. San Fran really hasn't been tested at all outside of DeAndre Hopkins, and DeAndre Hopkins had a great game against them, and that was even with Richard Sherman there. So. I think Devontae Parker's more upside wide receiver three. Just don't be shocked if he lets you down a little bit. And I believe that Isaiah Ford's a better play than Preston Williams. Agreed. And I think you agree too. Yeah, I have Ford. Do you want to do a little Preston, Preston Williams, Williams rant or no? I mean, I just never understood why Preston Williams is getting so much love this offseason as a UDFA who had a nice little stretch and then had a bad injury. People were just expecting him to bounce back and be like a star. I was a little confused by it and I mean, it's carried over into the season. Over the last two weeks, he's been out-snapped by Isaiah Ford, and Isaiah Ford had 10 targets last week compared to Preston Williams. Less snaps than Preston Williams. I mean, it's it's kind of over for Preston Williams. You like, know who else is struggling to see them. targets? Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki. Three of four games now, Mike Kosicki is at five or less targets. I said last week that, look, if the Chan Gailey slot wide receiver... It's going to have a good game. It's going to be against the Seahawks. And if he doesn't, well, I'm never going to support Gasicki again. And here I am never supporting Gasicki again. Because he had an awful game last week, per usual, honestly speaking. And it's not even like he should be performing better. He is 18th in true target value. Fitz has not been efficient this season. And Gasicki's not seeing that many targets. So what does that mean? It means he's a tight end that you're probably better off not using. And I know tight ends are ugly. So you might be forced into using Kasiki. And I'm sorry if you have to. But there's just... I, I prefer Ebron. I'm sorry if you have to. I prefer Gronk, Jimmy Graham, Drew Sample. I prefer Drew Sample. I agree, uh, yeah. Drew Sample. I prefer Gronk. I have Mike Kasiki as my wide receiver... Uh, excuse end. me, my tight end 15. Which is even higher than I want him to be. But that's just because it's, it's, it's rough out there in right, the tight end world. But yeah, it's... Uh, if you were a big Gesicki guy, it's not looking great at the moment. Moving on to the 49ers. Jimmy G Garoppolo. got a limited practice yeah, today. Limited practice. Maybe he'll return. Maybe the 49ers are pressing a little bit after. Um, two and two now. They they need Garoppolo back. They need to start yeah. winning again. Uh, if Garoppolo comes back, that means good things for the offense. Although their best wide receiver is George Kittle. And George Kittle fucking feasts no matter who the quarterback is. Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard. Holy moly, did George Kittle go on 16 I targets, could be the 49ers quarterback. 183 yards, a touchdown. Holy moly. And honestly, this was... We keep saying it, man. Week one, Kittle would have done this again. Yeah. He had 4-43 four and 43 in the first drive, basically. And so then got hurt. Kittle is ready to explode and continue exploding. I am most interested, though... Actually, dude, I'm... This is a good week to be interested in this team, man. Because Debo Samuel only played 25 snaps last week, had a rush and three receptions. Yeah, it was a nice, nice. It was nice to see Debo on the field again because he was doing some things where you're like, 
Yeah, I'm glad he's playing again because the dude is good. And they made it a point to get him the ball. They did. Brandon Ayuk as well. You have to love the fact that he played 87% of snaps. Five targets, a rush attempt, a.k.a. a screen pass, which he took to the house from yeah. 50 yards out. It was a screen pass. It just happened to be backwards. Counts as a rush. Gotta love the fact that he was involved like that too. Like, Brandon Ayuk could have these splash type of games if that if they scheme up plays to get him in space because the dude is a monster in space. So, I mean, obviously Garoppolo coming back would be best. I do prefer Debo already over Ayuk. I think we're going to see snaps. I think we think we're going to see his snaps go up this week. Yeah, I think they're both flex plays. I don't, I don't think you can trust them as more than that this week, just because of the. I think Debo could creep into wide receiver three territory. They gave Not him four the, touches on twenty five snaps. I know, but only twenty five snaps. You don't know how slow they're going to ease him in. Like we didn't even think he was going to play last week, and then they were like, "All right, he's playing." So it's like. Maybe another concern is that the Dolphins are 31st in DVOA against running backs. If Mostert doesn't play, shout out my guy Jeffrey Wilson. He killed it two weeks ago when I said he'd kill it. Maybe I stayed on board a little too long last week, but I, mean, I was I lower on him last week than the week before. Yeah. If Mostert doesn't play, McKinnon is a top 12 running back. I have him currently as my running back 12 to be changed if... Mostert plays. If Mostert does play, they're both top 18 running backs. If Mostert plays, I'm putting him right back in. Right now, I have Mostert at running back 14 and McKinnon at running back 16. Let's not forget what Mostert was doing last time he was on the field. I don't have Mostert ranked right now, but I I assume it will look something similar to that. He would have had like 200 yards against the Jets if he stayed healthy. Yeah, he was going in. He played a quarter he had a eighty. Them. He had a second 70-yard touchdown called back by penalty. Yeah. Start. He could have had like 200 yards against them. In a quarter, he finishes running back 15 that week. Week one, he was running back six. <laughs> it's a good player. Yeah, dude, he's good. I'm, I'm excited for the 49ers this week. Garoppolo, any interest playing against Miami? I don't want to trust him off the injury. It's tough. There is some streaming appeal, but also... I expect the running game to eat as well. Yeah, I feel you. So it's hard. That's what limits Garoppolo, man. It's just, it's a run-heavy offense. Yeah. What's the next game on the docket here, kid? The next game, let me tell you, Kyoto. Next up is the Schmeagles at the Schmealers. Eagles at Steelers, for those who don't speak Spanish. Baxter, <laughs> park twice if you're in Milwaukee. You know I don't speak Spanish. You ate the Shout whole out wheel of cheese? Carson Wentz has been more like Carson went to the market and forgot how to throw. That was bad. But, I mean, he's using his legs, though, now. Legs, legs, leggy, leg, 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 leg. I mean, it's a little concerning that he's been so bad through the air that he decided he needs to start using his legs. But two straight top 12 finishes now because he's using his legs so much. I mean, 65 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, 37 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in back-to-back games. Bodes well going into Pittsburgh. The problem here is Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers are beatable through the air if the QB has time. They're not going to have time, period. I think according to PFF's O-line, D-line chart, this is the worst passing matchup. uh, Excuse me. The worst pass blocking matchup against any team. Yeah. The Philadelphia O-line compared to the Steelers' D-line in passing plays 
was the worst matchup this Uh-oh. week. Uh-oh. And that's bad for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz has already been terrible. He's going to need to use his legs again if he's going to be fantasy viable. I do have him at QB 16 at the moment just because he has been a top 12 quarterback because he's using his legs so much. And I feel like the Eagles might go down and he might just be forced into a lot of throws. But I don't want to like willingly start Carson Wentz really. I, I mean, it's the steel curtain, man. And coming off a bye as well, so they're fresh. Miles Sanders coming off of his worst game as well. 15 touches last week, down from 23 and 22 the weeks before. I was confused as to why they weren't giving him the ball in the second half. But it's it not like hot. it was Boston Scott and others getting it. They just... They weren't using running back. I don't know what they're doing. Back. It's odd. It's odd. It's another tough matchup for Sanders, but if the volume is there, he just needs to sneak into the end zone. He's going to be a top 12 running back. Yeah, but that's the problem. He has to sneak into the end zone. I have him as a RB2 right now, actually. Probably the lowest I'll have him ranked all year. Because I'm a big Sanders guy, but that offense really needs to figure it out because they are struggling hard at the moment. I have him as my RB17. Subject mm-hmm. to change, of course. Keep checking back. But initially, that's where I have him. Not bad, of course. But I think for him to beat that number, he's going to need to find the end zone. Zach Ertz. Time to ring the alarm. Holy moly. Dude. Yeah, it's all about the true values, man. Carson Wentz has been a do-do. A do-do. That is putting it lightly. Zach Ertz, do you know where he is on true target value? I think you mentioned it in your um, true value load. Tight now. end, 19. 19. And shout out true, throw, true target values because tight end finish, 14, 23, 13, 30. Zach Ertz has not been... Oh, excuse me. I was looking at standard. Fantasy Pros was on standard. 15, 21, 7, 27. Not much more appetizing. One time he's been better than tight end 15 all season. He's topped five receptions once. And Pittsburgh is not a great matchup for tight ends. It's it's really not. A, I just don't like him this week. Honestly, the issue is you're trapped. Yeah, if you, you have Zach Ertz, you probably don't have someone else. Like that—that's it. Unless you drafted like Jonu Smith late, then great job because Jonu Smith is great. Zach Ertz is your tight end, and you're not going to pick up Logan Thomas to start over. Yeah, the tight end landscape is so bad that I still have Zach Ertz as my tight end eleven. And I think what we're trying to say is, we would not be surprised if there's another down week. Yeah. You're certainly not starting Richard Rodgers, who's replacing Goddard, had four catches last week. Greg Ward is an interesting flex play, but he's more desperation, in my opinion. Alshon Jeffrey might even suit up. But you're not going to trust Jeffrey his first game back in like a year. It's it's tough pickings for the... John Hightower was fun for a week. Yeah, you're not going to trust John Hightower either. Greg Ward is my favorite of the bunch, but he's more of like a desperation flex just because of the targets, but... Aye, it's not looking good. It, look, when you have a bunch of no names and the quarterback who's supposed to be a star isn't playing like one, then that's just what they are—a bunch of no names. That's true. And even Zach Ertz is not looking good right now. Pittsburgh, though, why, Jason? What the fuck, Jason goes to me, yo, what is up with the Steelers rankings? And I was like, dude, when we—it starts with the initial expert consensus rankings when you begin ranking on Fantasy Pros. 
They are all ranked way too low. One of the first things I did was just boost up all my Steelers players. Yo, they had a bye week, so they don't exist anymore. Like, I don't get it. I don't either. It's so strange. Juju and Deontay Johnson are high-end wide receiver twos, in my opinion. Big Ben's a strong QB1 this week, in my opinion. I have him at QB7. James Conner is a running back one, and they're not being treated as such in the typical rankings. It's just... Yo, Connor's the workhorse. He's been great. Start him. Dude. Juju and Deontay are... Deontay's a target machine, and Juju has been very solid this year, too. Against Philly, whose run D is superior to their passing D, they just had a bye. Like, Eric Ebron is even in a great spot. Me and Jason both think Eric Ebron is a great option this week. Both of us have him in the top 12. Philly has been getting lit up by the tight end. Yo, Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns against them. We thought that would most likely be the worst game they had against the tight end all year. And then George Kittle went just explosion all over them with 185 yards and 15 receptions. Jeez, yeah. Eric Ebron, who's, uh, whose use in that offense was going up already prior to this bye week from COVID, is in a great spot here against Philly, man. Yeah, I agree. The Philadelphia defense is not a good one. Deontay Johnson, according to True Values, back uh, back end wide receiver one. Juju, according to True Values, high end wide receiver three. They've both been very good this season. Even Eric Ebron is starting to creep up the list. He's up to tight end 13. After back-to-back games of five and seven targets, he found the end zone at one time as well. And then James Conner, man, he's been a top 10 running back back-to-back games. Let's just not forget that this team is great just because they had a bye week. Yeah, I'm firing up all these people. Chase Claypool is, again, an interesting guy. He does a lot with a little so far in his young career, but someone you're not trusting. I agree. Vance Refrigeration, just want to say his name. Cause... Which, of course, is Vance McDonald, if you don't know. You're not starting Vance McDonald. AKA you Vance are starting Ben Roethlisberger, who is also outside yeah. the top 12 quarterback. I have him as my QB7. What's that about? I have him around there as well. I don't know. Like... What's imposing about... Because you also have to think... The maybe, Eagles' defense is better against the run than they are the pass. It's been going... It's been like this for years And now. maybe this is a bad game script for the Steelers. But that defense might be so dominant that Big Ben throws three touchdowns in the first half. And then game script doesn't even matter. I don't know. I'm firing up Big Ben. I have him at seven as well. Eight spots above consensus. Give me all the Steelers this week. I agree. Give me all the Steelers as well, and I don't understand why everyone doesn't feel that way. Let's keep it in division then and go to the next game. The Bengals at the Ravens. Um, Big story of last week for the Bengals was Joe Mixon going off. But, of course, we need to um, talk about the the, – what's the word I'm looking for? The caveat to Mixon's good performance, and that is that Gio Bernard outsnapped him on third down 6-1. to Yeah. So it's not like Joe Mixon was the passing back all of a sudden. He just caught more passes on first and second down. But, I mean, Joe Mixon also played 83% of snaps. He was the workhorse. If that continues, that is going to be glorious. Like for those who roster Joe Mixon. Because through the first three weeks, obviously, it looked terrible. And now he gets this huge game. And we've seen this from Mixon before. Let's see if it happens again. 
I have him as a mid RB2 this week. I'm not jumping a gun, making him a top eight running back now or something of that sort because he had that one big game. We've seen this happen with Joe Mixon in the past. Let's see how it carries over. I actually was looking forward very much to talking about this game because I actually love me some Joe Burrow, man. Could I just say real quick, though, Joe Mixon, why is everyone just ranking him as running back 11 now? Yeah, he had a good game, but that was against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's getting lit up on the ground. That's what I'm saying. Anyone could destroy Jacksonville. Everyone has been destroying Jacksonville. It's the Baltimore Ravens defense. Yeah. They contain CEH. And that's why I love me some Joe Burrow because on the surface, the Baltimore Ravens defense, you're like, damn, you don't want to start a quarterback against them? They have now given up three straight. Uh, excuse me. um, Not three straight. They've just given up 300 yards to Dwayne Haskins. 300 yards to Dwayne Haskins and have allowed the seventh most passing yards per game. Pat Mahomes absolutely torched them. Deshaun Watson had a decent game against them. The only team they didn't struggle against through the air was Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow last week. Does it say something though that it was Mahomes and Watson? And Dwayne Haskins, 300 passing yards? All right. Haskins isn't an excuse. And Burrow last week. 15 fantasy points or so, whatever. He went over 300 yards again for a third straight game. But he had a Tyler Boyd touchdown called back. Boom. 20 points, just like that. And he threw a touchdown to Drew Sample. That Sample let the defender rip it out of his hands. That could have been two more touchdowns. Boom, a 24-point game. And Joe Burrow would be getting so hyped up right now. I think this is a great spot for Joe Burrow. I'm all over Burrow and Boyd this week. And even Drew Sample. I'm still on the Drew Sample train, man. This is this is bold, man. They're playing the Ravens. I know it's bold. He saw five targets last week, 85% of snaps. Sample, that is. Tyler Boyd has become his boon. He loves throwing Tyler Boyd. Eight targets last week. He's the main guy there. I think Tyler Boyd is a top 15 option. I have Joe Burrow as my QB 11. I think Drew Sample is a very worthy streaming option. This could come back to bite me in the ass, but I'm in on the Boyd-Burrow-Sample trio this week, man. Tyler Boyd, 23 catches from the slot, leads the league this year. T. Higgins? You didn't mention him. T. Higgins has clearly jumped A.J. Green. I said it last week, R.I.P. A.J. Green, right when T. Higgins had his first legit role on the team. And it showed again. They have stopped trying to force feed AJ Green, yeah. which is probably smart because he doesn't look good. And T. Higgins has been productive. Last week he had seven targets, four catches, seventy-seven yards, one rush for thirteen yards. This is two games in a row now. He's been given at least eight opportunities, whether it's targets or targets and a rush. They obviously want to get him involved. The week before that, it was six targets. So he's becoming the number one outside outside wide receiver for. The Bengals. And the Bengals throw a lot. Yeah. And I have Higgins as my wide receiver 32. I'm just a little concerned. I don't know if they're, Burrow's going to be able to carry Higgins and Boyd to top 24-ish performances. But I do think Higgins is a strong wide receiver, th- wide receiver three play. Especially because Higgins and Sample have been his go-to red zone targets thus far. So, yeah. I, I'm... 
I'm all in on the the Bengals passing attack this week, and it may come back to bite me in the ass, but I'm I'm doing it. It's interesting, man. Yeah. Am I all right? I'm gonna hop over to the Ravens. Am I crazy for being a little skeptical about L.J. Andrews, Marquise Brown? I feel like it's gonna be a running game. The Bengals, yeah, the Bengals defense isn't the best against the run. Um, actually, it's been pretty damn awful. They're very bad the against run, the run. Gus Edwards leads the league in um, yards per attempt. J.K. Dobbins is like top five in yards after contact. Mark Ingram has still been all reliable. They have three legit starting worthy running backs right now. But how do you even start those guys in fantasy? I think that Ingram and Dobbins are actually decent flex plays this week. I think they're going to run all over the there, Bengals, actually. man. I have them. I have them both at uh in the flex range. Ingram higher than Dobbins, of course, because Ingram has had the larger role. I got Ingram at twenty eight, uh, running back. That is Dobbins at thirty eight. So I do agree that they have flex appeal. I prefer Ingram. Gus Edwards is is just such a low ceiling, really. Even though he gets a decent amount of work. I do agree because Cincinnati's pass defense actually going back to last season has actually been better than a lot of people expect when they hear the Cincinnati Bengals defense and William Jackson on the outside. DJ Chark is really the first player this year to really have a big game against them through the air. So I agree with you here that I think it is going to be a running game. Marquise Brown, as always, is an upside wide receiver three. That's all he was ever going to be this year. I mean, he needs to catch a long pass. He doesn't get, like, he's had six, 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 and seven targets the first four weeks of the year. Like, that's what he's going to get. He needs to capitalize on a long pass. Mark Andrews has two of four games, three targets or less. Like, he had a great game last week, but he only had three targets. Like, these big game, these big lead type of games have really hurt Andrews. Going back to last season, too, like, when they don't need to use him, they're okay not really using him. Like, if they score without him, build up a big lead, and they don't need to use him as the pass-catching option anymore, that typically is how it goes. So I do think there's a little bit more downside than people think to Andrews this week as well, but obviously you're firing him up with a tight end landscape, and or I'm not going to be shocked if he ends up with five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown either because that's just how the offense is. But I just do think there's a little bit more downside than people like to like to think when is it comes Mark to Mark Andrews, Andrews. Right now, it's, it might sound crazy, but the best touchdown-dependent tight end of all time. <laughs> he scores a lot of touchdowns. Week one, two touchdowns, tight end one finish. Week four, two touchdowns, tight end three finish. Week two and three, one catch, three catch, no touchdowns outside of the top 30 tight ends. No, I don't think that's going to remain the case here. I think Andrews, I hope not, man. I don't think he's going to have many more outside top 30 games. Lamar Jackson also, his true throw value isn't isn't matching up to what That's it was last Mark year Andrews either. Mark Andrews is only 7th in tight end true target value. Last year he was always at the top because Lamar Jackson was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL besides Ryan Tannehill. And now Lamar Jackson is 6th. So he's still been efficient and very good but he was very efficient last year exactly that like, little drop off is, is having an effect on mark andrews and you already know yeah. how i feel about marquise brown yeah i agree but this guy is being ranked he's too just high this upside week well. wide receiver three that he's upside flex uh, i wouldn't go that far 
He's still a decent wide. Like he's at least the good thing about Marquise Brown. If you drafted him, obviously you're not super happy about it, but at least he's setting like a decent floor. He's had one game inside the top 36 receivers. Yeah, but I mean like five for 42 and four for 86. Decent floors. He had one very bad game against KC. A decent game against Cleveland, but look, he's going to have to score a touchdown at some point. He has that huge upside, which is why people were chasing that in drafts this year. We don't own or we don't roster very much Marquise Brown at all, really, because we did not like him at his ADP at all. And this is why, but Cincinnati is prone to the deep ball as well. We saw OBJ get behind the defense. Um, I'm okay with... I'm okay with Marquise Brown here as a upside wide receiver three because all he needs is one big play. That's that's what people are chasing. Yeah. Anyone else you want to talk about? No, not from this game. Sneak. So then let's move right. on to the, So then let's move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> we got the right. at the Chiefs. Let's start with the. Oh, I want to start with the Chiefs. All right, let's start with the Chiefs. I want to start with the Chiefs because CEH is my running back one overall. Me too. Week. High yeah. five. You heard that, y'all? Number one overall. This is the week CEH becomes CE. Hell yeah. Cut it was hell yeah. And finds the damn end zone. The fact that he hasn't been finding the end zone is very frustrating. But, uh, what's it called? Las Vegas has surpassed Carolina as being the absolute worst team against the run. They've allowed five top 24 running backs shout out Kenny and Drake in for four weeks. That to happen. Yeah, shout out Kenny and Drake. They just got beat by Devin Singletary. Uh, Rex Burkhead and company destroyed them. Kamara and McCaffrey week one destroyed them. So they have had difficult matchups. But guess what? CEH is also a difficult matchup. And I'm ready for CEH who has not had that boom game yet to finally really go off this week. 100%, man. The Raiders are awful. And if you look at... Dude, CEH, all, the only thing he hasn't done is found the end zone. He is the ninth running back in missed force tackles per attempt, 14th in yards after contact, 7th in yards per reception, 11th in yards after the catch, 5th in total force t- missed tackles, He's the PPR running back 13 on the season with only one touchdown. All this to say he's very good. He's been playing very good. He just needs to find the end zone, and the Raiders have allowed the most points running backs this season. So CH is going to do a very good job. Yeah, fire him up. Uh, same goes for Tyreek Hill. Obviously, you're firing him up. He has as much upside as anyone, and he's actually setting a... Very solid floor this year. Not something you're tip, you typically see from Tyreek Hill. He's usually a very volatile receiver. He's actually been a very consistently good receiver this year rather yeah, than the it. up and down. Because of how cake of a matchup this is, I'm a little afraid for Mahomes. He has two top eight finish, top seven finishes this year, two 14 to 17 finishes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm firing up Mahomes against Of course you're firing him up. I'm just saying... Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if also, this isn't one of the games where he blows the top. Like, 20 fantasy points is quarterback 14. So, like, he's going to score at least 20. I just don't see this as a 30-plus point game. I could definitely see that happening, though. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'm just so high on CEH. 
Like, I think CEH going to run the ball in at least once, maybe twice, <laughs> maybe three times. Yeah, but I'm just I'm not scared of this Las Vegas defense at all. Obviously, fire up Travis Kelsey. I even think Miko Hardman and Sammy Watkins have some appeal. Cause Sammy fucking well, not, Watkins I, sucks again. No, man. Yeah. Dude, if you look at true target value, Sammy Watkins last season was, give me a second, wide receiver 11. And he was barely a flex play. Fast forward to this season, Sammy Watkins, wide receiver 15. Barely a flex play. All he does is not do what he should be doing with Patrick Mahomes' balls. He's in such a fortunate position, and he never does anything. I'm not touching Sammy Watkins. It's just, uh, well, for me, Watkins has seen seven, eight, and nine targets outside of the Chargers game where he only saw three targets. That's a decent amount of targets from Patrick Mahomes. And he does nothing. He has two games this year inside the top 40. I have him as a wide receiver 44. I just think he's an interesting flex play. Don't count week one. That's an anomaly. Same with Hardman, who's found the end zone in back-to-back weeks. You kind of have to hope that he finds the end zone, but he's seen 10 targets over the past two weeks as well, so he's getting a little more involved. So he's another guy I think is an interesting flex play. (sighs) To the Raiders. you you got to bang on a touchdown, though. Yeah, interesting flex play. Not someone I'd like to flex. All right. The Chiefs are easy because they have studs, and that's about it. What about the... Start Josh Jacobs. The KC defense, as you said, over and over, and nobody wants to listen for whatever reason. They just assume that opposing wide receivers are going to have good games because they have to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, and yet they're number one against opposing wide receivers this season, and they were number one last season. Like, enough with that terrible, terrible fantasy advice that people are throwing out there they're actually a run funnel defense which bodes very well for josh jacobs sign who, who me up needs this type of game yeah sign me up for josh jacobs this week sign me up for darren waller who's just an absolute target monster hunter renfro is like their de facto number one at this point wide receiver wise and he operates out of the slot which does help a little bit here against kc but he's more of just like a a floor type flex play he has a limited ceiling so I mean, I'm firing up Jacobs, Waller, Renfro begrudgingly if I have to as a flex. But that's about it. Yeah, I agree. The Chiefs are giving up 5.3 yards per carry, 31st in the NFL. Josh Jacobs needs a breakout game because he broke out in week one, hasn't found pay dirt since, and hasn't surpassed 88 yards since that game. Uh is averaging around four targets per game. It hasn't looked super pretty for Josh Jacobs after what you thought his season could be after week one. I think this is a good game for him. And last week was the last week I ever trust Hunter Renfro. <laughs> the last week you ever trust Hunter Renfro is if he hasn't had good games in his the career? The last week I ever trust Hunter Renfro. You know why? Because Derek Carr throws the ball. You piss me off sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you. And Derek Carr has been decent in true throw value. Trust your stat, bro. He's number 13. Yeah, he spreads the ball around too much. Where's Hunter Renfro on that list? Probably very low. Well, over the first two weeks, he wasn't as involved. But over the last two weeks, he has been super involved. So, something to keep an eye on. He had eight targets this week, nine targets the prior week. That's 17 targets. That's not something to just sleep on. Mm. All right. Fine. 
That's what I thought. What have you seen? Darren Waller, you're firing up, as you said. Of course. Henry Ruggs, of course, of is course. Henry Ruggs going to be back this week? Brian Edwards is probably going to be out again. Ruggs might Ruggs play, is, I believe. I think he's on the wrong side of questionable, but either way, against KC, it's tough to trust him, especially coming off injury. Mm. Like, I'd look elsewhere. Is that, that's it for this game. Yeah. The next game is the game that might not be played. The game that might not be gamed. The world that might not be girled. The world of the pearls. Alright, the next game is... Well, I don't even know what I was saying. The Bills at the Titans. The Titans... Yeah, hopefully this game is played. Yeah, so... Adam Humphrey's COVID list. Corey Davis' COVID list. Tannehill's a very efficient quarterback. In the past, it's been an A.J. Brown and John U. Smith offense. Dude, if Davis and Humphreys are out too, this is legitimately a Brown and Smith game. That's it. Yeah. And honestly, Khalif Raymond has some appeal to me. Yeah. I mean, he's like the slot guy, and the Bills have struggled to guard the slot. So I can see a big play for Khalif Raymond. That's he's a also good a big dart throw. He's also a big play guy. I yeah. that That's my dart throw for the week. Dude, the Bills have allowed three straight. This is what I was saying before when I got when I said Haskins. I got the Bills and Ravens confused, but three straight 300-yard passing games, passing games the Bills allowed. You don't expect that against the Bills, but they their offense has been so dominant that opposing teams have been needing to pass and they've actually been struggling against the pass, which is not typical of the Bills, but this season it is. 300 yards to Ryan Fitzpatrick, 300 it's yards. Josh Allen's killing it. Yeah. 300 yards to Jared Goff, 300 yards to Derek Carr. It's not like these are the best QBs in the league, Fitz, Goff, and Carr. Especially Carr. Carr hardly ever goes over 300 yards. And Ryan Tannehill is very efficient. I think Ryan Tannehill is being slept on as a QB option this week, as always. That should just be our motto, Ryan Tannehill is being slept on. A.J. Brown, fire him up, of course. And then Johnny Smith, fire him up. Khalif Raymond, dart throw-ish. But I think... Uh, Johnny Smith, who the Bills have struggled against the tight ends this year, but they have played. Well, they. St- I, I'm not gonna say struggled against the tight end. They struggle. They struggled against Gasicki and Darren Waller. So Darren Waller is basically the wide receiver one, and then the Jets, Bleh, and the Rams. Ty- Tyler Higby didn't do much. So I mean, it's it's very game dependent when it comes to tight ends for the Bills, and this is what we always say with tight ends: it depends on who they're playing against and such. But Johnny Smith is a very good tight end, so it bodes well that good tight ends had good games against them. John well, Gasicki, questionably good. <laughs> 2.66 yards per outrun is third for tight ends. Three touchdowns is third for tight ends. Even though he did not play last week, he's a tight end eight on the season. Yeah, fire up John, who fire up A.J. Brown. And Tannehill, I think, not, is a good sneaky streaming option. Let us not forget to mention that, you know, COVID sucks and all that, but just in terms of injuries... The bye week becoming week four for the Titans was fantastic for A.J. Brown. Yeah, that was great for his fantasy. Uh, Especially if you won your week as an A.J. Brown roster because now you have him the rest of the year without a bye. So as long as this game is played, you're going to be very happy about it. But the game needs to be played. Yeah, it's fantastic. To the Tennessee side. Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, excuse me. We didn't even discuss oh. Derrick Henry. Jeez Louise. King and Derrick Henry 
I think maybe people are forgetting. Like, do these the ECR are forgetting that he are is people, on pace for the most carries of all time? And I think they're just forgetting how that good players were on these teams. I missed it. RB twelve expert consensus ranking. Are you kidding me? It was the same shit like the Steelers. They have yeah. a buy in quotes week, and you forget they exist. He's a top ten option, top five maybe even against Buffalo. Give Buffalo's been Derek friendly Henry. against the run this season too. Yeah, give me all the Derrick Henry. Jeez, Louise. the Bills have been the twenty fourth best team, so the eighth worst yeah. against running backs this year. Fired and up, especially fired up. Yeah, if yeah. Humphreys and Davis are out as well. It's going to be a Henry, AJ Brown, Jonu Smith game. I agree. So fire up there, Henry. Now we can move on to the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills Schwashers. The Titans' defense didn't play last week, but they struggled against Minnesota. They played okay against Gardner Minshew. They even got beat a little bit by Drew Locke week one. Their defense isn't anything to really be afraid of. I'm firing up Josh Allen. I have Stephon Diggs as a top 12 option. I think John Brown will see... He's dealing with a bunch of injuries, so he's a little risky, but I think he's a strong flex play like at this John point. Brown as well, Even a wide receiver three. If Brown doesn't play, Gabriel Davis is interesting. Mm-hmm. He's been showing off uh, as a rookie this year. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Allen and the receiving options this week. I, I can't disagree. I think that John Brown... Look... Um, Josh Allen is second, third in true throw value. So that means good things for his receivers. Cole Beasley is even high up there in true target values. My only concern with him is that he sees between four and seven targets a game, and he's not a big red zone threat, even though last week he did fall into the red zone. I do like John Brown in this game. I don't like Gabriel Davis if all four of them are healthy. His one catch last week was a touchdown. And same goes for Dawson Knox. He's like the fifth option right now. Again, he I think he found the end zone last week too. So, like, when the quarterback is going good, players are going to find the end zone, even ones that you don't start. But I do think that the typical starters are um, people who you want to get. Dawson Knox did not find the end zone. I think he was close to the end zone on the play, though. I don't recall. He got tackled inside the 10, I believe. All right, there you go. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. <clears throat> On the ground, dude, Devin Singletary, with Zach Moss out, has taken full advantage of Zach Moss being out. He has told everyone that thought Zach Moss was going to steal his job to a shit the fuck up. And Devin Singletary has been very good. And the best part about it is the pass-catching work, yo. This dude is fourth in true target value. Expected at least nine points a game just through the air based on... The amount of targets he's seeing and Josh Allen's QB true throw value. And, and he looks good on the ground. Like He found the end zone. Finally found the end zone. And because you might look at his yards per attempt the last few weeks, and they're not amazing. He went 13 amazing. for 71, 18 for 55. Devin Singletary leads the league in broken tackles. So he's yeah. doing his thing. Doing his thing thing. So Zach Moss is... Questionable once again. We thought he was going to play last week, and then he was a scratch. I'm assuming he's going to play this week. I don't see him coming back to his 60-40 split. He's a rookie who's been out for two weeks, and Singletary has excelled while he's been out. So I think Singletary is a very strong play once again this week. And if Zach Moss does come back straight to a 60-40 split, 
I will be disappointed. But either way, I think even if Singletary sees 60% of the work, he's still going to be an RB2. I think the late scratch for Zach Moss is a bad sign for him. Because I think the Bills kind of said, you know what? Get fully healthy. We don't really need you. Like, even, like he practiced and all that. Everyone expected him to play, and then he was scratched. I feel like they're just going to, like, ease him back in, and they're okay. Like, they see what Devin Singletary is doing. We all see what Devin Singletary is doing. The dude is performing. So, I agree. I think Singletary is going to man this backfield at least for another week. Let's see how it goes against uh, against Tennessee. But And you're yeah. not touching Zach Moss, right? I'm not touching Zach Moss, no. Same. So next up is the game that is not Sunday night because the Sunday night game of the Seahawks and Vikings, we did at the end of the first pod because Tim wanted to talk about them. So thanks, Tim, for screwing up our mojo. And now we're going to sing this anyway. Sunday night football on MSG. Mello and the Knicks are the best on TV. The Panthers at the Falcons is what we're looking at. And we're just going to, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. Calvin Ridley, Donuts. Let me talk about how good Jair Alexander has been. He must have been, like, I know he was questionable. They weren't even sure if he was going to play. He had to have been hindered by the injury to just put up a donut like that. Jair Alexander, though, shadowed Calvin Ridley on 23 of his 27 rounds. That, so he was also, also does not help. on clamps because Jair Alexander did not allow him to have even one catch. And the week before that against the Saints, Jair Alexander held the wide receivers he was going up against to one catch for negative two yards. So essentially, when Green Bay comes out of their bye against Tampa Bay, expect bad things for Mike Evans if Jerry Alexander shadows Ooh, him. Chicago injured, and then Jerry Alexander is a bad two-week stretch for Mike Evans. It is. So with that note, don't panic about Calvin Ridley as long as he's healthy, of course. But that, again, is the concern also for Julio Jones. Yeah. It's just... I, I, I took... Julio Jones out of my rankings. I was like, there is no way this dude plays. He was questionable going in and then left the game after aggravating the injury. Didn't practice today. There's about a zero. There's a 2% chance in my head that Julio Jones actually plays this week in my brain. And honestly, I don't love that for Russell Gage. Gage has been much better this season as a third option. And if you look Matt at what... Matt Ryan has been much better with just Julio Jones With on Julio field. Jones on the field, exactly. Matt Ryan's true throw value has dip, 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 dip. Um, he is down to 22nd on the season. His last two games have been below average, and that has coincided with Julio Jones getting hurt, and that's coincided with Russell Gage becoming no one. Um, so I'm not super excited to start Russell Gage again this like, week. Yo, Zacchaeus led the team in targets and yards last week. I mean, I, I called him having a big game, but geez. That's not what you want when you have Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Russell Gage on the team. And even Hayden Hurst just continues to be a letdown with all the injuries again. Like, Ridley, not only was Ridley banged up, but Julio missed the game. Like, this dude played 64% of snaps. He's been in that range for three straight weeks now. Six targets. He's just not what people wanted him to be at all. And again, he's another guy you can start this week or you're probably forced to start this week and it's not a bad matchup against Carolina but two weeks ago when Julio started what was injured Hurst had one catch I want to talk about Todd Gurley because I think this is a decent game for him 
This is a very good spot for Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley has had seven carries inside the five this season. That's second most in the league. That's led to three of his four touchdowns. Um, the Carolina defense has allowed almost 37 fantasy points to running backs per game. They're allowing the most targets to running backs. They've allowed the most touchdowns to running backs, seven. Their run defense grade, according to PFF, is the worst of all teams. If the Falcons get a lead at any point in this game, even if they don't, I expect Todd Gurley to be fed. Yeah, and it's not even like their pass defense has only been good because teams are running against them. Their pass defense has just legitimately been good this season. And it's not something I expected at all, but at some point you just have to see that they're playing well against the pass. And if Matt Ryan is going to be without Julio Jones, where he's he hasn't even... What, he's put up 12.5 points or something of that sort back-to-back weeks at this point? It's just, do you want to trust him? 12 points, 12 points fantasy the last two weeks. Do you want to trust him this week against Carolina without Julio? It's concerning. I don't know. Yeah. I have, him as a, I have him as a QB2 this week. I I don't hate it. No. Would you rather start his counterpart? Teddy Bridgewater? Yes. I am an infamous Teddy Bridgewater hater, and I'm used, I'm doing the Mike Gesicki approach of last week. I don't like you. I think you're overrated. I am going to hop on the bandwagon for one week, and if I am incorrect, I will never hop on that bandwagon <coughs> again. Atlanta has allowed a QB1 like and wide receiver ones and tight end ones and RB ones. like They're just bad, Dude, period. Not even just that. All right, first of all, A.J. Terrell, I.R., Terkez Denard, I.R., DeMonte KZ. These are cornerbacks, by the way. Torres ACL. Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen both missed last week. Safeties. Their entire secondary is hurt. Three of four quarterbacks to go up against Atlanta this season have been top three quarterbacks. Three out of the four weeks... The quarterback against Atlanta has been top three. The best quarterback in the league right now in fantasy points is the quarterback against Atlanta. So, yeah. (laughs) I agree. I have to trust Teddy Bridgewater. I agree, man. I'm starting Teddy Bridgewater. I have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson back-to-back in my rankings as well as wide receiver twos. Trusting them this week as well because DJ Moore has certainly been a letdown. But he continues to lead that team in snaps. Six targets to Robbie Anderson's 11 last week is not something you want to see. But I'm firing him up this week. Again, this is another another one here where if DJ Moore doesn't have a big game against Atlanta, time to worry, oh, because he needs to play better. And with that being said, Robbie Anderson is looking like a stud, really. Like He's looking like he was a great pick for what he's been doing. So, yeah, I'm starting them both this week. Mike Davis is basically Christian McCaffrey. Jeez Louise, the dude is balling out. Yeah, And it's not and even like he's just seeing the volume. He's just balling out. And he's seeing the volume. He's just very good. Like, he's grading highly on everything. He's catching passes. He's running well. And even Reggie Bonifant had 10 carries last week. Last week, you know what? Reggie Bonifant was just put on IR out of nowhere with an ankle injury. It's a Mike Davis show again. 
And it will continue to be until CMC comes back. Shout out Mike Davis. Yeah. I mean, I have him as a top 10 running back this week. You know who you shouldn't touch? The better running back on your Panthers, Kurt Samuel. Yeah. Jeez Louise, was that a bad take? Where'd those guys go? Boy, was that a bad take. Where'd those people go? It's Monday Night Football time, brother. Is it? Are we done with this game? That was quick. Yeah. Monday Night Football on MSG. Chargers and the Saints are the best on TV. I'm going to start it hot. Mellow so and the Knicks. Tell me if you agree. Gosh. Mellow and the Knicks are the best on TV. My running back 13 is Josh Kelly. My running back 13 is Josh Kelly. Legit. Nice. I also have him as my running back 13. I actually have him at 12, but the song got ruined. You know, I had him at 12, and then I swapped him with Jarek McKinnon. So, subject to change. If Mostert plays, he will be my running back 12. What is the hate about Josh Kelly? I don't understand. Why is he not ranked higher? I know the Saints have a good run defense. Sure. But Josh Kelly's lead back on a Chargers team. Yeah. And the Saints run defense also allows points through the air to opposing running backs. Like DeAndre Swift just scored a touchdown against them through the air. Aaron Jones absolutely demolished them through the air. Josh Jacobs even had a decent game through the air. Like it's not it's not a like a really, really difficult matchup here. And do people just expect Josh Kelly to remain in this role and Justin Jackson to take Austin Eckler's role or something? Because that's not happening. And like dude Point to the fact that Josh Kelly's had seven targets this season. Well, you know what? He's had two, two, and three targets in the last three games. And that's a decent amount considering he's behind the best pass catching back in the NFL. Yeah. Like, what more do you want? You want him to have 14 targets behind Austin Eckler? Because that's not happening. Yeah, I'm all aboard the Josh Kelly train this week. He's going to have at least a high floor, in my opinion. Like... There's no Austin Eckler, man. And we've seen Justin Herbert. This dude throws to Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, running back. Period. A deep shot to Jalen Guyton once or twice a game. Sign me up for Josh Kelly. I even think Justin Jackson has flex appeal. That too. Justin Jackson is going to get work. He should get 10 to 15. I think it's going to be like a Eckler-Kelly is going to be Kelly-Jackson. Where Kelly is going to be the main guy and Jackson's just going to come in every once in a while to spell him. I agree. Jackson played 39% of the snaps last week. I think that Kelly is a strong back-end RB1, high-end RB2, and Jackson's a good flex play. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, Not like a very you said, like, imposing defense from New Orleans. Herbert spreads the ball around to nobody. He doesn't spread the ball around. He throws the Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. Even last week, Henry only had three targets. Huge game from Justin Herbert. This dude... Attempted like 25 passes only. His true throw value was nearly 1.904. That was part of my true value lowdown. Go check it out in the articles. It's just a bunch of fun facts about true values that'll help you figure out how to use true values and things of that sort. His true value from week four was higher than any game Patrick Mahomes has had this season. Hmm. Uh You're all right. That's why I take a look. You are correct. Keenan Allen is a target. A machine. Eight targets, 10 targets, 19 targets, 11 targets. Holy moly. Jalen Guyton gets his deep shots. Mike Williams is likely still out. Hunter Henry, only three targets last week, has yet to finish as a top 12 tight end. Seems crazy because he has such an established floor 
but he has yet to really put it together. It's because he doesn't New have a touchdown. Orleans has been bad against the tight end, man. This, if any week, Hunter Henry's going to really step up, especially with Austin Eckler out. It's this week against New Orleans. Makes sense. And with the way the tight ends look, you just have to... If he found the end zone once or twice, things would look a lot different for him. Yeah. he's He's been getting targeted by Herbert. Do you like Herbert as a streamer? I think people are getting a little bit carried away with Justin Herbert. I'm not going to lie. Like, I understand the appeal. He's looked great. But we're also talking about a rookie quarterback who he started off hot, but he also hasn't played the most, like, imposing defenses, really, with Carolina. I mean, Tampa Bay is actually... A, a good defense, Dude, but Herbert has two top thirteen finishes out of three games he's played. He's had at least three rushes in every game, and his top thirteen finishes have come against KC and Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's it's impressive I'm, work. I'm cool with Herbert as a streamer this week, man. Yeah, I mean, I have him at QB seventeen, so I'm at eleven. Oh wow, so you're more than a streamer. You like him a lot. Interesting. It just I I. It's still too early for me to really trust him, but I do see where you're coming from. I just rather take a, I guess, a more conservative-ish approach here. Justin Herbert, Shay. Exactly. With Eckler out too now, that actually could hurt. That him. could hurt him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We that's that's one of my negatives for Herbert this week. Last game of the Plus week. Plus on the big stage. Let's see how he how he reacts. Drusif Breeze. And the Saints, uh, let me just say, I hope that... I see that his real name is Drusif. I hope that... (laughs) Considering this is Monday night, I hope we know about Michael Thomas soon. Yeah. He was close to playing last week. The thing that scares me, they have a bye next week. Mm. Like, it's the smarter decision to wait through the bye. And really let him get back to 100%, in my opinion. But... Maybe the Saints just want to win. They did just. Well, they they didn't just. Uh, they did they they beat Detroit right. I'm bugging out right now. They beat them and yeah, it was a close game though. Latavius they Murray lost to Green Bay. That's what I was thinking. Latavius Murray had two touchdowns on the ground, fourteen rushes, sixty four yards. This is the second time Murray has had a game with that many touches. Look, he's clearly a part of that offense. Like, they're using Kamara basically as their wide receiver one right now. He's still getting a lot of rushing work, too, but they're certainly mixing Murray in. I think he's a decent flex play, but I just don't want people to get carried away, especially against the Chargers, whose run defense has actually been better than their secondary, which is not something I expected at all. So, I'm not going to get carried away here expecting another game like that from Latavius Murray where that's certainly the outlier in my opinion especially because Kamara is also the goal line back I agree so I don't really want to chase last week for Murray and we don't even need to talk about a good Alvin Kamara yes yeah Alvin Kamara is my running back too probably should be ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire but I just really want people to know Clyde Edwards Hilaire has RB1 potential this week and I would not be shocked if he surpasses Alvin Kamara. You got you to gotta be ballsy sometimes. Got to be ballsy. Traquan Smith, two touchdowns last week. The problem with Smith, Emmanuel Sanders, six for 93. For me is that, look, I called Traquan Smith having a good game last week, but he only saw four targets. That's a problem for me. Eight targets, excuse me, ten targets over the past two weeks. 
compared to Sanders' 14. Sanders saw nine targets last week. Someone asked me on Twitter, asked Broto on Twitter, and I responded, I think Smith is more the high upside play and Sanders more the high floor play with the way those two have been going in that offense. I think, I think they're both decent flex plays, though. I think it's helping for Sanders that Jared Cook is out. I don't think it's a coincidence that that was his best game. Agreed. They're both middle-of-the-field guys, and with Cook out likely again this week, Sanders could have some flex appeal. I don't love him, though. He's, but he, if there's just no ugly. Thomas and no Cook again, Sanders and Smith, I do think they're viable. It's ugly. Flexes, maybe even wide receiver threes. I think one of them will have a good game, one of them not so much because Breeze is just going to be – he loves to throw to Alvin Kamara, of course. But the Chargers, again, they haven't been the most imposing defense through the air, which is not what you expect from the Chargers, but you've come to expect from them. But that's just the way it's been to start the season. And Drew Brees finally started throwing downfield against Detroit. If that carries over, maybe uh, maybe it helps out Smith and Sanders too. Flex plays for me right now. We'll see uh, what happens with the injured players on the uh, on the New Orleans side as the as game day approaches. Are you starting Drew Brees at home against the Chargers? I'd rather not because people are hyped about Drew Brees last week, his performance, and that he was like throwing downfield again and all that. He ended as QB nineteen. Yeah. He's ended at QB nineteen or worse three of four games. Yep. It's just, like, I don't really know how you could justify starting him, especially when his best game was QB 10. Like, I feel like that's his ceiling, really, at this point, and that's clearly not something I want to chase. True that. I agree. We made it. We did it. We're done with part two. How do we not say oh, part two? Part two. Week five. Part two. Part two. Week five. Part two. Where could they find you? Find me at Brodo FF Jason. I'm at Brodo FF Mike. Uh... If you are looking for your championship belt, please go to PartyBelts.com, the official championship belt of Brodo Fantasy Football. Fuck yeah. And then Manscaped, code Brodo, 20% off and free shipping if you want to groom yourself as well. Um, Please, if you can, show us some support at Patreon, patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy, so we can continue to provide things for you lovely people. Um what else is there so let me give you a quick lowdown we got on mondays what's yeah so we you're listening for week five at the end of week five on monday we'll have a buy low sell high article on tuesday we'll release waivers on wednesday we release these podcasts oh tuesday true value lowdown possibly (laughs) continually Depending. <laughs> Wednesday, these podcasts and our rankings. Thursday. And true values on And Tuesday. true values on Tuesday. Yes. Thursday, 20 facts you need to know. Plus, we start tweeting touchdowns for the week. Friday, sleepers and busts. And our podcasts. And our podcasts for you to listen to all weekend. Saturday, ask us if you need help. Listen to our podcast. Have some fun. Sunday, Put every on touchdown. those push notifications, tweet every touchdown, tweet us your sit, start sit in the mornings. We got you covered every day. Try and I bet in the morning. Yeah. Later. Later.